Mine's good. Come on, Brent. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hi. Uh, how's how's you? I'm doing okay. Things are uh, going along. It's uh, my favorite event of the season. It's the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts kicking off on Friday night in beautiful Calgary, Alberta at the Windsport Arena. This is the site of the bubble. So we'll see if any of the teams who are in the bubble show up and just say, nah, not uh, not feeling this uh, and and leave. But it is uh, it is my favorite event of the season but scott before we get into that we are recording this uh, just after nine o'clock eastern time on tuesday night the 13th of february and a little bit earlier today the news dropped that jennifer jones is going to be retiring from four person curling at the end of the season she is going to continue playing mixed doubles with brent lang and she will be in a broadcast booth don't know which one yet but one of the available spots will be Jennifer Jones's, uh, no question about it. So, Scott, just a first blush initial take. Jennifer Jones, final Scotties. Yeah, I'm uh, not surprised, I guess. Uh, I think this was on the minds of everyone around the curling world as to, you know, not if, but when this would happen. And uh, I think she's chosen a, a good time. I'm maybe a little surprised it wasn't after last year, but uh, it seemed like uh, she was liking the new team. Uh, Everything was there, but halfway through a cycle, you know, it was kind of the right time to look at it and say, am I really going to push for one more Olympic bid? Uh, And and obviously she's decided that uh, mixed doubles will be that avenue uh, to, to chase that Olympic berth. So uh, one of the greats, we're going to have lots more to say about her, but, uh, you know, all eyes will be on her at that uh, Windsport Arena. Yeah, it's kind of curious to think that she is a defending national champion. As we speak right now, she is the defending champion with Brant Lang in the mixed doubles, and here she is hanging it up. And you did mention last year, of course, with Mackenzie Zacharias stepping back, for this season, you do wonder if potentially that opens the door for her return after a year away. She was at the Manitoba Provincials in a fifth position as an alternate. So you do wonder if maybe that's an opportunity to, to have this team come back together. But that's a discussion for another day because in the short term, I, I don't know if Jennifer Jones thinks this way. Maybe she does. But... If you're going to have your last Scotties and you're going to announce it in advance, because she could have waited till afterwards if, if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think that if this, well, I don't, I don't know, but if this was in a place that isn't as curling centric, isn't as curling crazy, isn't as great a curling fans as you have in Alberta, I wonder if it's the same, like, for as much as obviously a rivalry between Alberta and Manitoba, 
there's going to be a lot of love, I think, this week. And whenever the last game is for Jennifer Jones at Escotty's, that's going to be like a big deal. It's mm-hmm. going to be a, a really big crowd reaction, obviously a standing ovation. If it happens to be during the round robin, I feel like it's a situation where, assuming the other games are still going on, stop the clocks, everyone backs off and, and let her have that moment. And I think if she thought, well, it's in Calgary, these that, that's a good place to do it, then good on her. Uh, again, I don't know if she thinks that way or would make a difference, but this seems like a good spot. Other than Winnipeg. Right. You know, any any of Calgary, Edmonton, Regina, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, Brandon, like any like really anywhere in those provinces is is, is a great place for her to finish. Yeah, I think so. It makes sense, and we'll uh, see what that reaction is on that last draw. Like you say, whenever it is, yeah. uh, I I do think that the players will you know take a step back, and uh, there you go. The yeah, and 20- I think Scott too. This this happens sometimes in other sports, but honestly, it's really more of a, like a professional wrestling thing, where if there's a match and somebody's retiring, the story at the end is about the the guy who's lost, who's leaving. And so, let's say they make it to the final, and like how crazy it would be, like a, a repeat yeah. of last year, Anderson Jones and Kerry Anderson wins again. So you have first person to ever win five against the skip with the most ever. And the skip with the most ever is leaving. Like, what is the biggest story? I don't know. And who do the fans react to? Like, mm-hmm. th- that'd just be kind of nuts. So, th- this is a a really big story. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the week, just in terms of the questions that she's getting asked after every game, how the rest of the team responds, how the rest of the field responds to it, and uh, a bit of a, a sea change here for Canadian women's curling. Yeah, for sure. It's a good point about how the team responds to it because it's not their last Scotties, presumably, right? Yeah. Uh, those players. And so uh, they're there to win. Uh, and so is Jennifer. So uh, where will the difference be between the questions about, oh, how are you wrapping it up versus, hey, how's the week going? Right? Are you in a position yeah. going into that week, final weekend to uh, come out on top? So uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, and it, uh, as you say, it'll be a lot of fun to watch over the course of the week. So let's get into it. Our Scotty's preview, always a good time. There are 18 teams heading to Calgary this week. First prize, $100,000, 60000 for second, 40000 for third, 20000 for fourth. And it goes down from there. Everyone's guaranteed a minimum $2,500. The winner not only will be Canada at the Worlds and at the Scotties next year, but with a playoff finish in the Worlds, they will book themselves the first spot at the 2025 Canadian Olympic Curling Trials. A little bit of a change to the rules this year. There will be no tie breaks. After two tie break games last year on the Friday morning, Vic said, no, 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 we ain't doing that again. And Kathy was behind him being like, yeah, obviously (laughs) so no tie break games it will go to head-to-head first and then if it's a three-way tie where everyone has beat each other it will go to the cumulative draw to the button standings so no tie break there's also scott the no tick zone rule in effect this season for scotties with that so if a stone is on the center line in the free guard zone it cannot be moved 
in the first five rocks of the end. If it is moved, the non-offending team has the option to replace it and remove the thrown stone out of play. We are playing eight round robin games, two pools of nine. And the playoff format a little different this year. Top three teams from each pool are getting in. On Friday afternoon, the one versus two will be a crossover. The winners of those games will play in the one-two page. The losers will play the third place team on Friday night in elimination games. No more Friday fun fest. Kind of disappointing. I like saying it, but this is way more interesting as a, as a fan for those Friday games, both in the afternoon and in the evening. So I do like that change that they're making there. And no wild cards this year. You have two Manitoba teams. You have two Ontario teams, two British Columbia teams. I don't know if I like this. I know yeah. you can't be pre-qualifier. It doesn't sound great. CTRS qualifier doesn't sound great. I'm just calling them wild card uh, in the preview. I don't know. Like I don't like this naming convention, but what do you think, Scott? Well, I know in other events they have like Manitoba 1, Manitoba 2, right? They're yeah. not even using that distinction in the the schedule, right? No. So, no. you know, if I look Manitoba at Manitoba Laws and Manitoba Cameron and Manitoba yeah. Jones. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't I don't know. It's the first time we'll see. We'll see how it is. Yeah, I, I'm just you know, not a fan. You don't want to they didn't have the chance to compete for the province for the provincial title. Right. But, you know, they still want to wear the crest of the province they represent. So, right. I mean, half of the teams in this particular version did have a chance to compete for their provincial championship. So I don't know. Maybe those two should have been called wildcard. Sure. Sure. But, I don't know. You know. We'll see what it looks like on the ice and how confused we all get. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Scott. Our favorite question. When we get to this, we do this every year for the Scotties and the Briar. There are 18 teams in the field. How many of them can win? I think that there's five that can win. Okay. I also have five. So who are yours? So uh, Homan. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Jennifer Jones. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Northern Ontario can win. Sure. Krista McCarville, uh, Caitlin Laws, and yep. of course, Carrie Anderson. Yes. Yeah, so those are the same five that I have as our contenders to win this year. I think some other teams could come up and surprise in terms of winning, though. I don't know if anyone else is quite there yet. I think there are some promising teams in the field. Mm -hmm. And when I look across the 18 teams, I think this is a really nice mix of contenders. So a couple of veteran teams and then some younger teams who are part of the development phase. So I think actually, if we're looking at what Curling Canada is trying to accomplish with the way they've changed this event over the past few years, this kind of fits. I think me. so. Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of like it. So uh, I agree, though, with five teams that can win. Scott, do you think there is a stronger pool between the two? So we'll run down real quick. In pool number A, you have, in no particular order, Prince Edward Island, Quebec, Northern Ontario, Manitoba, British Columbia, Corinne Brown, Alberta, Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada, and Saskatchewan. Pool number B is Yukon, New Brunswick, Clancy Grandy is the other British Columbia, 
uh, Kate Cameron, Manitoba, Jennifer Jones, Manitoba, Northwest Territories, Nova Scotia, and the two Ontario entries of Homan and Inglis. Yeah, I think on first glance, I might say that Pool A is a bit more top-heavy with Caitlin Laws, Carrie Anderson, and Krista McCarville as sort of the three ones that stand out to me, where Pool B uh, is a little bit deeper but also has the those high ceiling teams. So I think right. pool B is the one where we're more likely to see one of those top three uh, trip up and, and maybe come back a bit. And those top three would be the two Manitobas and, and Rachel Homan. Right. Um, but on the whole, like I think they're pretty well balanced. They did um, say uh, when creating the pools that it, due to pre-existing matchups that they wanted to promote, they weren't exactly, you know, uh, in the CTRS points, one, four, five, eight, uh, and so yeah. on. So uh, they've done a pretty good job though. I think both these pools are, are pretty well balanced, but I would slightly give the edge to pool B on depth. Yeah, I agree. I was looking at the, the two pools when I was looking at all this stuff and I thought, okay, pool A, you're right. There's a, top three that you would expect some other teams in there that certainly will be competitive and then over at pool b you're thinking okay here are the two that you would expect to definitely get in and then who's finishing third and there's a some intrigue there and i think it kind of broke well for a couple teams and, and as we go through we'll get to it but i i agree that i think top heavy pool a and a, a little more intrigue potentially in pool b so with that let's get right into breaking it down team by team nine excuse me 18 teams in the field, let's start with pool number A, which we have decided is the better. And I'm going to go in my power ranked order, Scott. Oh boy. I'm going to skip around the media guide then. Forgive my typing. <laughs> All right. So let's start with Carrie Anderson, your four time defending Canadian champions. They are going to attempt to break Colleen Jones's record of four consecutive wins even if they lose they can still tie colleen jones's five out of six if they win next year and lose this year the last time scott uh, carrie anderson did not win the scotties she lost the 2019 wild card game do you know to who sean i we all have such fond memories of the yeah. wild card game I loved it. Uh, the wild card game, such a, a great institution for curling Canada. <laughs> yeah. You tell I'm, I'm, I'm pausing. You're stalling uh, for I'm effect. Stalling yes. to to see if my memory will catch up with me. I'm gonna say that it was Rachel Holman. You are incorrect. She lost uh, to Casey Scheidegger in 2019. Yes. Rachel Holman was uh, in that field, losing the final to Chelsea Carey in rather shocking fashion. That's uh, right. Getting up That's steals. Right. Yes. So this is the seventh full appearance for Carrie Anderson. That one does not count. On the season, they are 25 and 17. They made the playoffs at all of the slams, fourth at the Pan Continental. That record is a little surprising. Only 25 and 17 for the season. Scott, their hammer efficiency on the year is 43%. 
Last year at the Scotties, they were at 52% on the hammer efficiency, outscored opponents 110 to 62. So some of the peripherals that we've seen so far this season, now they are playing less than they have in years past, but the peripherals are down. And to win this event, they're going to have to get back closer to that 50% mark on hammer efficiency that they were at last year. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty low. Uh, definitely something I wasn't tracking for this year. Um, so yeah, maybe a, a sign of a little dip in performance, but uh, you know, this is the bubble where Carrie Anderson was a uh, superwoman uh, in 2021 and you can't uh, pick against this team really, you know, four in a row. Uh, will they have the longevity to make it five? We'll just have to wait and see, but uh, I, I think they'll be fine. Now they do have to go through this very strong pool, including Northern Ontario and Krista McCarvel, her 11th appearance at the Scotties. The defending bronze medalist was in the 1-2 game last year, lost that to Jennifer Jones and lost the semifinal to the aforementioned Carrie Anerson. Silver medal losing to Carrie Anderson in 2022. So uh, she potentially owes her a couple here over the course of the week. They will see each other in the round robin. And if things break a certain way, potentially in the playoffs. Of course, the big change this year for Krista McCarville is that Andrea Kelly is in from New Brunswick playing third, 12th appearance for Andrea Kelly. She, of course, won the bronze medal as the skip in 2022. They do not play a lot on tour. That is part of their strategy, 32 and 13 on the season. But that includes all of their games in the Thunder Bay Major League, which uh, according to what I saw over on Curling Zone, they lost the quarterfinal of last week. So uh, they are out of the Major League. Scott, interesting here for them last year. They had five games during the round robin of where the difference was two points or less. And they went four and one in those games. They also won two games by three points. So they were very good in close games. They had good results. Now, in a lot of other sports, they say that results in close games, particularly one point or run or goal games, tends to regress to a mean. that It's hard to sustain that. I don't know how that'll hold for this team. They do play a tighter style than some other teams, keep Mm -hmm. things a little more open, like to keep things close in the hopes that they can have that last shot coming home. But that is just one of those things that I don't know if it holds in curling, but a lot of close games and they were successful with it last year. Yeah, very successful with it and have been successful with that uh, playing style for a while now. Uh, what's interesting to me most about this team is how Andrea Kelly fits in. Uh, she's listed as the third uh, with uh, Kendra Lilly shifting down to uh, she's listed as the lead, I think, in some stuff I saw leading up. Um, but really her and Ashley Sipola and Sarah Potts are all listed in the media guide as front end players. So we'll see yep. it, you know, if any of them rotate in uh, throughout the week just to keep the the bodies fresh from all the sweeping uh and see just sort of what the vibe is like with this new new dynamic i'm really really interested to see it uh, on the national stage 
Yeah, and just to like preempt this, uh, they're going to talk about how they don't play that much. So everyone just be prepared for that. Uh, it's going to be a talking point whenever they're on. So let's just sort of prep ourselves for it. Uh, so uh, let's move on to Manitoba, the actual Manitoba champions here in Caitlin Laws. This is her second appearance as a skip, five and four last year, but that was sort of extenuating circumstances. She had just come back from maternity leave and Selena Negevin was out for the Scotties last year. She was there. Uh, she was expecting uh, a child. So Laura Walker stepped in and played third. So this is the first time that the four of them are together playing in the Scotties and have had the full season together, which they did not have last year. So we can kind of, I think, a little bit take out last year's results. 34-22 on the season. They have a 43% hammer efficiency. But Scott, they missed the playoffs at the National, the Masters, and the Canadian Open. Of course, they did come back and win Manitoba, which is a very tough event to win. But the results on tour in the second half of the season haven't quite been there. So not entirely sure what to expect from this team heading into the week. No. And, uh, you know, I watched some of their games at the Manitoba Provincial and they they weren't quite as polished as I would have expected. That said, uh, due to those absences you mentioned, this is basically their first year together as a team um, playing all the way through. So uh, I don't have any doubts. These are all like great players. Uh, It'll just be about putting it together for the full week. I think that they in any one game can definitely hang with anybody in the field. It's going to be about that consistency throughout the week. Another team that's going to be looking for some consistency. We got some first timers here coming out of Alberta. Selena Sturme and her team consisting of Danielle Schmiemann, a familiar name from mixed doubles circuit. Desiree Haas and Paige Papley have won the Alberta final. Scott, uh, Selena Sturme, a familiar name in part because of the family name. The Sturmes have been around for a while on the national scene, but Selena herself, the 2019 Canadian junior champion won the silver medal at the world's that year, 2018 and 2020 U sport national champions, uh, national championship. This is the third Scotties for Desiree Haas. Everybody else is making their debut appearance as a full field participant. Uh, we have a couple of alternate uh, spots here on the season, 44 and 23, <laughs> A lot more games than the other teams that we've talked about. Uh, They are scoring 7.83 points for a game, 6.25 against. Good results here. They won the Savile Grand Prix back in October. They lost the final of an event in Red Deer to Rachel Holman on the Slam 1-3 and at the Canadian Open. And I think a point of concern for them for the week in this field with the caliber of teams that we have here in Pool A, only 34% hammer efficiency so that's sort of for the season in total against the field like this especially when we're talking about laws and anderson and mccarville they're really going to have to generate those multiples get some points on the board because they're a young team typically you'd expect them to give up a few more multiples than some other folks especially learning the ice here for the first time at this type of event So if they're going to be competitive, they're going to have to be able to crack more multiples than they have been so far over the course of the season. Yeah, definitely. They're going to have to 
play unafraid. I think uh, they got through that that Alberta final playing that way, sort of putting the pressure on the their opponents and forcing some misses. They're not going to get as many misses probably from this field and especially in their pool, but uh, that's the way they've got to play fearless, put the pressure on, uh, force your opponents to make shots. uh, And, and that, you know, that's what you're going to have to do. All right. uh, Let's move on to Quebec and Lori St. George. This is her fourth consecutive Scotty's appearance. New lineup for Lori St. George. Jamie Sinclair is in and is eligible. When we talked about this a few weeks ago, we weren't sure. We thought Mary France LaRouche was playing, but no, it is Jamie Sinclair. She did get her eligibility earlier than expected, so she is in the lineup playing third along with Emily Riley and Kelly Madaw. So the same front end from the past few years. They went five and four in 2023, losing in a tiebreaker game, which will not be an option for them this year overall on the season they are scoring a whopping 9.2 points per game only giving up 6.4 points a game 43 percent with the hammer they did though scott last year in the scotties give up too many multiple ends hammer efficiency against so that other teams are scoring against them was at 50 percent their own hammer efficiency was down at 39%. They did manage to outscore their opponents overall by four points, but that's not going to be a sustainable percent. You can't give up that many multiples over the course of the week and, and have sustained success, expect to have a deep run into the playoffs next weekend. Yeah, that's for sure. They're going to have to work on that as, as well as maybe, maybe keep things a bit more simple, keep things open. Uh, we talk about that being a good strategy for Krista McCarville and her team, keeping things open, but knowing when to attack. And I think that's something that Laurie can really, uh, learn from Mary France about, uh, and, and I'm sure has, uh, but putting everything together, I think that's, uh, that's what they'll be looking for. The key is to know your spots and to pick them appropriately. Yeah. And one thing too, for last year, uh, Lali herself was even on the plus minus for the week, hmm. 74% overall, but only two games in the 80s. So you see that level of consistency there, but you just want that higher, say 3%. If you can, if you can avoid those peaks and valleys, which she really did last year for the most part, but be at 78, 78, 77, 78% for the week, that tie break goes to a playoff spot. So we're not talking about huge change, huge improvement, just here and there, a half shot to a full shot, a quarter shot to a half shot and eliminating zero shots, then you're, you're looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Jamie Sinclair, um, you know, no offense to Alana Rutledge, but, uh, a, a bit of a step up in, uh, overall ability at the position. So, uh, they should be poised to improve on that showing. All right, another team they'll be looking to improve on their past showing is Wildcard 4, British Columbia 2. Corinne Brown is back at the Scotties last appeared in this bubble. I guess she's a Winsport Arena fan. 
playing here for the second time. She went four and four in 2021. She also was the skip back in 2020 of British Columbia, going six and six at that event. So overall in her career, a nice even 10 and 10 for Corinne Brown. Here with Aaron Pincott, Jennifer Armstrong, and Samantha Fisher. 40 and 18 on the season. They won the Kamloops Crown of Curling back in October for the season. Again, the uh, 36% hammer efficiency. They're going to have to pick that up. But Corinne Brown, as we've seen in her career, particularly in 2021, when she's on, she can carry a team to a win. It's just a question of can she sustain that level of play? Where is she now versus where she was in 2021? Obviously, she doesn't want to see Clancy Grandy ever again after what happened in the BC Playdowns. But she is certainly a capable player. This lineup is full of capable players. And this is one of those teams, Scott, that I have in that development category. They've been there. They've played it. Can this be just another incremental step for them in continued improvement to the point where maybe they could be in contention at some point in the future? Yeah, I think they have all the talent uh, in that lineup. You know, it's just about putting it all together. Uh, you're right. This is sort of the next step in their in their team development. Uh, former World Junior Champions. You know, they're going to be able to meet the moment, uh, having been at a, at a Scotty's already. Although under uh, different circumstances, uh, they should be well prepared. Uh, so, you know, if this team comes out and, you know, sitting five and zero at the end of a few days, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, like I say, all that talent's there. It's just whether they can sustain it for the week and, uh, whether, you know, there's some lapses that can occur with Corinne throwing that last rocks. There's sometimes where it seems like, you know, just a small mistake, but, you know, a draw that slides two feet deep versus being two feet high it's that pro side miss so a lot a wide range of outcomes i think is possible for this team all right uh, let's shift over a couple provinces to the sky of blue and the sea of green the wonderful folks of saskatchewan are represented this year by skylar ackerman she was an alternate last year for robin silvernagel first time participating full-time at this event along with Ashley Thevenot, Taylor Stremnik, and Kaylin Skinner. Scott, this team was at the Next Gen Under 25 event in the fall. They went two and three there. They are 36 and 14 over the course of the season. They have won a couple of events on the Sask Tour, one in Moose Jaw, one at the Nutana. So some Wins out there on tour for them. Overall, they're scoring just under nine points a game. But again, hammer efficiency down at 38%. That is kind of consistent across this field that teams are struggling to get to 40% on the hammer efficiency. Six and one in the Saskatchewan playdowns and beat Nancy Martin twice in the playoffs. And uh, you're taking your life in your hands when you do that to Nancy Martin. But um, this is a team, Scott. First time, bunch of rookies. Lots of talent, obviously, but it's really hard to win your first time. They're very young overall. Purely for me, this is one of those teams, definitely in the development camp. Get your feet wet. Saskatchewan on the women's side is pretty wide open. 
So if you can start to have some sustained success, learn how to win at this event, this could be an initial step in the right direction for a province looking to get back to the glory days of even Amber Holland, who just so happens to be there as their either fifth or, or their coach, whichever position. But she's she'll be the one coming out for timeouts for sure. Yeah, it's uh, again, this is one of those development teams. Uh, their first time there, like you said, uh, I'd expect them to try and keep things open. Uh, that said, you know, I think back to Robin Silvernagel making her debut out of Saskatchewan and kind of, you know, blew the doors off uh, the event. Uh, she had a bit more experience there with her in, uh, in Stephanie, remind me your last name. Lawton. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Stephanie Lawton. Thanks, Sean. Uh, in Stephanie Lawton and, you know, was able to ride some wave, uh, into the playoffs, different format now, tougher pool. Uh, I don't foresee that, but uh, this will be great experience for them. Uh, and like you say, Saskatchewan's a wide open, but these are, this is one of the, those young teams that's waiting to grab a hold of it. Uh, this, this week will show us a little bit how they intend to do that going forward. All right, Scott, let's move on. We got two teams left in the pool, both from the East coast. And let's go to the easternmost province in this beautiful country of ours and Newfoundland and Labrador. Stacy Curtis making her seventh appearance at a Scotty's was here last year going two and six. It is the exact same lineup with Erica Curtis, Julie Hines, and Camille Burt. Scott, a correction from a few weeks ago. We said that Stacy and Erica were sisters. That is incorrect. I thank, uh, uh, I, I thank the corrector for letting us know that we messed that one up. Stacy and Julie are sisters. So uh, a mea culpa on that one. Scott, uh, they are 11 and 13 on the season, 39% hammer efficiency. Their biggest event so far on the season in terms of the depth of the field was the Stu Cells Halifax. They went 0-4 there. But here's an interesting little tidbit that I saw when I was going through, Scott. You ready for this? Tell me. So last year, Stacey Curtis was even on plus-minus. She had four pluses and four minuses over the course of the week. Hmm. Interesting. She, th- she threw 76% overall. Her pluses were 94%, 89%, 83%, 73%, 72%. Her minuses, 69%, 70%, 68%, 67%. So the outlier there is the 72% plus. But otherwise, 80 and above or 70 and below. She's going to have to be more consistent over the course of the week. Uh, you know, th- you're better suited to be 76 every time than to have these these big swings mm-hmm. so that's for stacy is get the ice figure the ice out uh, and maintain it over the course of the week because she's obviously capable of throwing these big numbers but if you can raise the floor on those games where you don't quite have it, you're not throwing it as well you're going to be a lot more competitive than she was last year yeah yeah and I think some of that, Sean, is going to come down to the front end stone placement. Uh, you know, obviously, when you see big swings like that in a skip score, it's the degree of difficulty of the shots uh, varies widely. So as long as her team can put her in a position where the degree of difficulty is not so high, 
uh, I think we can see more of those bigger numbers than the lower ones. But that's what's going to dictate it, in my opinion. All right. And wrapping up Pool A, it is Prince Edward Island, skipped by Jane DiCarlo, along with Veronica Main, who will be throwing the four stones, Sabrina Smith and Whitney Jenkins, 11 and 6 on the season. They beat Amanda Power in the PEI finals. Who, Scott, they lost to at the PEI Brewing Company bond spiel. A bond spiel that uh, seems like something we might be interested in. Just saying. Yeah. We've been to the PEI Brewing Company. Yeah. Love to go back. So this is an interesting team, Scott. Ranging in age from 28 to 33. So I don't know if they necessarily fit within the development scale, the development piece, but with no Suzanne Burt anymore having taken a step back pi's wide open and there for the taking if somebody else is able to get on a suzanne burt type run out of pi maybe it is a development team if you can get there five out of six years or eight out of ten years or something Hmm. but i don't know we don't really know anything about this team we don't know much about them it'll just be fun to see them and see how they play if they have a suzanne burt style and every game is always in play we'll take it yeah, and I, I think this is one of those teams that, yeah, gets to fill that that vacuum left uh, by Suzanne Burt, sort of like the Greg Smith team that we saw come in yeah. when Brad Gushu was Team Canada. So a, a chance to see another team on the scene. I hope they have a great time. Uh, Veronica and Sabrina are sisters, so getting to do that together, uh, pretty great uh, for them. Uh, so that's what I expect from them. A fun time. I hope they get on TV at least once and uh, we get we get to see them have fun. Yeah. All right. So there it is. Pool A, which uh, we think might be a little more top heavy than Pool B. So let's get into who's there in Pool Letter B. Let's start with Rachel Homan and pre-qualifier number one or Ontario Homan, however you want to say it. She is back for her 10th appearance at a Scotty 6-3 last year. Lost to Christina Black in the Friday afternoon elimination game. On the season, Scott, a lot of criticism of this team on social media. A lot of claims that they don't really get along great. We've talked a little bit about the communication and a couple of things that might be able to uh, to be improved. They've just gone out and gone 38 and 5 on the season <laughs> and uh, have a hammer efficiency at 55%. They won the points bet. They lost the final of the national, then won the event in Red Deer, then the Masters and the Canadian Open as well. Lineup change from last year with Rachel going back to calling the game and a very well renowned sweeper, Tracy Fleury, moving into that third position. And I don't know, Scott, we, we've talked about this before offline. It's really hard to find ways, different ways, unique ways to say that uh, people are really good. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, oh, their communication is maybe not 100% or uh, whatever quibbles people find online, I have no idea. They're, they're so good. And uh, the experiment last year, of Rachel sweeping, uh, throwing the fourth rocks didn't work for them. And so credit to them for changing, right? And uh, trying to find something that does. And so far this season, uh, this really has worked for them. All right, uh, let's move on to 
someone we've already mentioned, Jennifer Jones, 18th and now final. Scotty's appearance. I love that they're in the same pool with this now being Jennifer Jones's last Scotty's. See another Holman and Jones game at this. Mm-hmm. That'll be great to see that again. The defending silver medalist having gone 10 and 2 last year on the season, 35 and 21. Do you think Jennifer Jones knows? Because Rachel Holman's played 43 games and Jennifer Jones has played 56. Did Jennifer Jones know that playing a reduced schedule is an option? That she doesn't have to play all the time? She doesn't have to, like, there's an interim between playing all the events and retiring. Uh, just saying, because uh, she's still doing mixed doubles too. So she's probably played yeah. 80, 90 games so far this season total. Yeah. I mean, maybe she could talk to Krista McCarvel about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see how that works. People but, have had uh, success doing that. But uh, yeah, they did win the tour challenge for the season. 47% hammer efficiency. That is a staple of Jennifer Jones. Lots of rocks in play. Likes to mix it up. Jennifer Jones does not want to burn an end in the first. If she doesn't win the draw to the button. She's throwing a center guard. And if the other team throws the center guard, she's either coming around it or throwing a corner. She's all in. That's the thing about Jennifer Jones, that it's always been entertaining to watch her play because of that. We talked about it off the top, Scott. But I, I think for as much as this is about Jennifer Jones, it's kind of the rest of the team, right? Like she is obviously not in the development phase of her career. The rest of the team is. So it's an interesting mix that, again, silver medal last year, how does that play into this year? And how does the enhanced response this team is going to get, given this announcement, potentially going to affect them? And affect really the whole draw. Because if you remember when Gushu was in St. John's at that briar, the teams that were on the ice at the same time were commenting about how hard it was to communicate because it was a little louder whenever Gushu was doing something. I, this, I don't think mm-hmm. it'll get to that level, but there could be a little more response to things that Jennifer Jones is doing because of this. Yeah, we might see it. Uh, and like we mentioned at the top, how this team, young team responds uh, to all that attention surrounding them. I think they'll be fine. Uh, they're also a very good team. Uh, we have seen Jennifer Jones not have good weeks at the Scotties, right? As yeah. great as she is, a, uh, probably the best uh, best ever yeah we we've seen her team miss the playoffs uh just a few years ago and it was yep. shocking and uh unexpected so you know we could see something like that at this event i don't think so but uh you never know right uh yep. and and with it being her last she's going to want to have that good showing so we'll uh we'll watch and see but I, i'd expect them to be there at the end of the week all right, uh, then we talked about uh, who's in third place in this pool if we expect those two teams to be the top two. Let's start with wild card three or two or know, however you want to put it. It's Kate Cameron out of Manitoba, her seventh appearance at Escotties. She was here last year as the third for Casey Scheidegger. That team went three and five. Here with Megan Walter, who skipped wild card three last year, also went three and five. Kelsey Rock and Mackenzie Elias round out the team 42 and 30 on the season. That is a heck of a ton of games. 7.7 points for 6.6 points against 35% hammer efficiency. Their results in the slams have not been great. A combined two and 10 across the national masters and Canadian open, no playoffs 
in that lost the semifinal of the Manitoba Provincial to Beth Peterson, who went on to lose to Caitlin Laws. Scott, this is a team that uh, all these players have a lot of talent. We've seen it. Kate Cameron, if you remember, of course, with Michelle Englott losing the final to Rachel Holman. Megan Walter, pretty good debut, I thought, last year, going three and five. Kelsey Rock, longtime skip out of Alberta coming over and Mackenzie Elias, very solid at the lead position. So it's all there for them. And even though Kate Cameron's a little older than the rest of this group, I think in that development phase and seeing first year as this team together, how are they going to perform at this? And what does this set them up for, for the rest of the quad on the Mm -hmm. assumption that they're going to stay together? Yeah, I think that's what it'll be uh, trying to suss out exactly how they'll fit together and how they'll go forward in the quad having Kelsey I think there will really help sort of the bridge the gap between the back end and front end um, given her experience there so yeah I think this team is likely the most likely for the third place spot in this pool Uh, but what's the team that you have next that might contend so next up, I have Ontario, the Ontario champions, Danielle Inglis, here with Kira Brunton, Calissa Daly, Cassandra DeGroote, and Scott. Kim Tuck is here in the oh. fifth position. Kim Tuck has never played in a Scotty. She has been an alternate before, but never played in a Scotty. It's kind of surprising to me, but uh, here she is in an alternate position again. 38 and 20 on the season, 38%. Hammer efficiency. They won a big event in North Bay in the end of November, beating Holly Duncan there. Over the season, Scott, they have a 57% force efficiency, 23% steel efficiency as well. So very good on those numbers when they don't have the hammer. So even though their hammer efficiency, you want to see it a tick higher to be competitive here. Those two numbers are pretty impressive that they're doing a very good job of forcing and generating steals for themselves. Yeah. And, and that's the name of the game, right? Scoring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're, if you're doing that, uh, you're doing something good. And we talked a little bit in the, uh, off aftermath of the Ontario Scotties, how fun it'll be, uh, for Danielle to be there playing in the event as a competitor, uh, but yeah, don't, don't think this is all just uh, fun and rainbows that it's going to be like, <laughs> Oh, it's so great that she's playing. They're good, right? Yeah. They're going to yeah. be able to beat some teams that are here. So, okay. I, 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 yeah, I'd put them among the teams fighting for that, uh, third spot in this pool. Yeah. The thing to watch is that for Danielle in the end of that Ontario final, some nervy moments, now they won. But some yeah. nervy moments. It wasn't as as smooth as you might have liked it if you were Danielle Inglis after you cracked the big end. So mm-hmm. that's something to watch out for. But at the same time, Danielle's been to all the big events. Not as a player. like This is her first time at Scotty's, but as a player. But she's been to all these things. So the environment won't throw her mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I think the team will be well prepared as well. So uh, looking forward to seeing them play. All right, uh, next up, I have the other team from British Columbia, the actual British Columbia champions, Clancy Grandy, returning after going 6-4 and four last year, along with Kayla McMillan, Lindsay Debu, and Sarah Loken. This is the same lineup. They lost 
tiebreaker to Laurie St. George, or excuse me, beat Laurie St. George in a tiebreaker last year before losing to Jennifer Jones on Friday afternoon. This season, they won the Perth Masters back in January over in Scotland, 39-29 for the season, but only a 35% hammer efficiency. Last year, Scott, in this event, their hammer efficiency was 35%, gave up steals 23% of the time with the hammer, and they only had two blanks. So I, I know we don't like blanks, but sometimes when you're giving up that many steals, you kind of got to bail and play for the next end or guarantee your single. That's just too many steals to be giving up in an event like this. For sure. But that's sort of the the mentality they have, right, is to go and do it. And, you know, we, we praise Jennifer Jones. And so. Uh, when you're a player of the skill level of Jennifer Jones, you can you can get away with it and uh, play with a lot of rocks and play. Um, and, you know, that's the style that they choose and they'll live or die by it. So uh, we'll see. It'll, but it'll always be a fun game to watch uh, when this team takes the ice. Absolutely. And they'll get a few TV games, I would expect. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is Northwest Territories. It's Carrie Galusha in her 17th appearance at a Scotties. They went four and four last season with Stone Cold Curling Assassin Joanne Rizzo throwing the fourth stones. This season, 26 and 20, 39% hammer efficiency. They lost the final of the Stu Sells Brantford event to Kathy Ald, probably their biggest event prior to the Northwest Territories playdown that was back. In December last year, in 2023, they stole 13 ends over the course of the event for 28 points. And Scott, if you look at the results that they had, that went a long way to, I know they only went four and four, but they lost 5-4 to Northern Ontario, 7-6 to Casey Scheidegger, 10-8 to Jennifer Jones, 8-6 to Megan Walter. So in their four losses, they were down a combined six points. So this is something that if we talked about it with Kristen McCarville, if there is a regression to the mean in one point, two point games, if that exists in curling, that bodes well for Kerry Galusha. Of course, made the playoffs a few years ago, beat Rachel Homan last year, had a 14 to eight game against Stacey Curtis last year, which if you look at the line score, I had to go get a, a glass of water just to sort of, cleanse myself (laughs) after looking at that line score (laughs) but this is a fun team they can compete in this pool i think this pool broke really well for them given some Mm -hmm. of the younger teams teams that are we're still trying to figure out how they all are how they work together no doubts about this team and how they work together it's just a question of can they pick up the ice can they make shots and do they not fall into a hole early in the week yeah, I think that's it, Sean. And uh, I'm sure Rachel Holman is not happy that uh, Carrie Bush <laughs> is in her pool. Again, it uh, seems like a bit of a, a nemesis there yeah. for her. Uh, but yeah, this team's really fun to watch and that the range of outcomes is quite high. Um, that said, they're uh, you know going to be in it with uh, Joanne Rizzo throwing those four stones. Uh, something interesting about them, Sean, is that Kevin Cooey is going to be their coach. 
Okay. Uh, at the event, I don't think he was their coach last year, but uh, I think John Epping coached them for a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see Kevin Cooey there, and we'll see if any of that uh, Cooey magic will rub off on uh, this team as they attempt to do their own version of that magic. Yeah. Do you think they have if they have four minutes left and there's one shot left, Kevin will just like force the timeout and walk out and be like, all right, now I think this is the shot, but don't throw it until you have three seconds left on the clock. <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh let's just stand around for a while. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to another veteran team out of Nova Scotia. Heather Smith, her sixth time at Scotty's last time was back in 2014. So book your tickets for 2034 for Heather Smith making her return to a Scotty. She was four and seven in Montreal that year, playing here with Jill Brothers, who was there last year as the second for Andrea Kelly. She is going to be throwing the four stones in her seventh appearance. Mary Christensen and Aaron Carmody round out the team. This, these, this team has gone through some lineup changes over the course of the year in terms of the positions, who's doing what. Uh, Marie Christensen was skipping for a while, and so they've, they've changed things around a bit. But for this week, it looks like they're going with Heather Smith calling the game with Jill throwing last. Colleen Jones is going to be there on the bench, which is very cool to see. Front row seat uh, over the course of the week to see if Carrie Anderson can break her record. This team, Scott, beat Christina Black in the Nova Scotia final 6-4. to four. Kind of a lot to live up to from last year with Christina Black making it into the playoffs. Don't know if this team can do it, but again, in this field where there's some young teams, here's a veteran team that is not going to be thrown by anything. Heather Smith hasn't been there in a while, so you do wonder about picking up the ice on the arena when she hasn't played on it in a while. But certainly when you're looking at experience for all four of these players, plus who they have on the bench, really anything can happen. Yeah, I think they're uh, pretty well positioned. And and this pool is is broken well for them, as you say. So, I, yeah, wide range of outcomes for this team too. But uh, I'm excited. I, I like all these players, uh, all really, really good, uh, really good players. Putting it all together, that's the question, right? Uh, if they've gone through a bunch of lineup juggling, it's, uh, you know, how is this one going to fit? And if it's not working, are they going to be willing to pivot during the week? So uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's move over to New Brunswick and Melissa Adams, her third Scotty's appearance, three and five back in 2021. She beat Sylvie Quillian, seven to four, in the New Brunswick final here with Jacqueline Crandall. Molly Ward and Kendra Lester. It is Molly Ward's debut at the Scotties. 17 and excuse me, 19 and 7 over the course of the season. A couple nice wins here, Scott. They won the New Scotland Brewing Halifax event. If the PEI event doesn't work out, we'll go to that one too. Mm. Uh, the Jim Sullivan event in Fredericton, they won in November. Curiously, both of those finals were against the Heather Smith brothers Christensen team with Mary Christensen skipping at those two events. So they got two big wins over them. We'll see how this goes in the round Robin, but uh, certainly a psychological advantage going in to that game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's nice to have that uh, sort of idea that we can beat a team that's in our pool. You know, we've done it before. We definitely can do it. 
pretty good. Uh, Sean Melissa Adams lives in Hanwell, New Brunswick. And I have a colleague that also lives in Hanwell, New Brunswick. So I will give a shout out to Mary France. Yeah. Shout out Hanlon. All right. And Scott, let's go to our final team in the field here in 2024 from Yukon. It is Bailey Scoffin making her debut at the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts here with Carrie Foster, Raylan Helston, and Kimberly Tour. For Bailey Scoffin, she was the junior representative out of Yukon for 2020, 2022, and 2023. Of course, there wasn't an event in 2021. A combined two and 23 in those events. Raylan Helston, the second, she played with team booth at the juniors in 2022 and 2023 so those two players bailey scoffin's 21 raylan helston's 19 so those two would fit in that development phase whereas carrie foster and kimberly tour they both played with Haley bernie the past couple years and Mm -hmm. are older right so they are are not necessarily in the development phase but i like this mix where the front end has a person making their debut with a someone who's a little older has been there a couple times. Same thing on the back end. You got a skip making her debut, playing with somebody who's been there a couple times, older, has, has seen more things. I like this mix for Scoffin and Helston to get that experience. No, no expectation, I think, of winning, obviously winning the whole event, but maybe a game or two. But when we talk about UConn, we talk about development, this is a, a, a nice strategy, I think, where you can have the two younger players go soak up, learn from those who have done it before, and let's see what happens if we can get, kind of like with Thomas Goffin a little bit, uh, someone out of UConn who can go every year, can be competitive, maybe not win, but at least keep people on their toes. Yeah, uh, give give everyone a good game. I think that's uh, that should be the goal. Uh, for the territories right now is to be able to give everybody a good game uh, and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, Bailey's mother, Helen, as Helen Strong, is their coach too. So uh, a little family connection on the bench there for this team. It should be, uh, yeah, a good learning experience for them. So uh, hopefully they're able to keep some close and win a game or two. All right, Scott. So those are the 18 teams heading to Calgary for the 2024 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Let's get into who we think could be standing tall at the end of the week. Let's pick the three teams from the two pools and then a winner. Let's just go that way. So we'll make the six picks in total. And then who do we think will be your champion? Let me start with pool B here. We just talked about it. I'm going to go with Holman, Jones, and Clancy Grandy for Pool B. Scott, who do you like? Uh, give me Holman, Jones. I think that's uh, the easy two. And then uh, just to be different, give me Kate Cameron. All right. Manitoba, two. And who do you like in Pool A? Pool A, I like Carrie Anderson, Krista McCarvel, and Caitlin Laws. Okay. 
So I like Laws McCarvel, and only because it's one of my stupid bold predictions for the year, I'm going to go with Laurie St. George. Uh, You're not picking Carrie Anderson? That was one of my bold predictions. Oh, that, that they wouldn't make the playoffs? Yeah, one of my bold <laughs> predictions back in January. So I got to stick to it. Okay. One of mine was that Chris McCarvel <laughs> missed the playoffs, and I didn't stick to it. So, uh, Well, one of us has integrity then. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> So, uh, so there you go. Those are our picks uh, for the pools. Scott, who is your 2024 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts champion? Well, Sean, because I know you're not going to pick them. I'm going to pick Kerry Anderson. Okay. To go five, five in a row. row. Yeah. Scott, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say this is the year. This is when it finally happens. Chris McCarvel. That's the hey, going with wrong it. With that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so there you go. So Scott's got Anderson. I got McCarvel. So congratulations to Rachel Holman on her 2024 Scottish championship. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Uh, draw times for the Scotties are going to be 30, 8.30 8:30 Eastern time. I'm not going to Brian Williams you. I th- hopefully everyone can figure out what that means where they are. But for us, we're in the Eastern time. So I looked it up Eastern time, 10.30, 3.30, and 8.30, with the exception of the weekends where they're going to, I think, 3 and 8 uh, on Saturday. So, But during the course of the week for the three draws, that's what they're going with. Everything available on TSN in Canada for our friends in the United States. Devin Haru is on this. He keeps checking in. But to this point, no word if ESPN is going to be picking this up for ESPN 3 or Plus or whatever they put it on. Hopefully, for you folks, it's available. If not, I don't want to condone illegal streaming of things. I don't even know if it exists for curling or for TSN. Uh, Maybe a VPN. I don't know. But hopefully, it gets sorted out and ESPN gets, uh, gets it together and uh, mm-hmm. give some access to our, our friends in the United States to watch some Scotties because it's a really fun event and I look forward to it every year. As do I, Sean. I'm, I'm really excited for this to get started. Um, and are we doing anything over the weekend? Keep an eye on social media. We might be. Okay. We have an idea. We did not get together with Jonathan and Ryan to settle the bad beer bet. Of course, at this point, who can remember who won? You know, yeah, it's, who knows, it's impossible right? to know who won. But uh, we we should get together and settle that. So we're, I was I'm going to reach out to them, see if they can stack on either Saturday or Sunday after one of the draws. If not, we'll try to set something up in and around the playoffs. But look out, we'll try and do a broom stack on the Facebook Live to settle the bad beer bet. Catch up with those guys. Uh, if you haven't yet, they did put out their episode detailing Jonathan's um, incredible, great mm-hmm. win at the Euro Bees. So do check that out. That's a lot of fun to hear everything that happened from Jonathan's perspective. And uh, we'll try to catch up with them over the course of the Scotties if the schedules work out. Of course, it's a little difficult with time zones and commitments that everyone has. So hopefully we can get it, if not during the Scotties, at some point during the season of champions. Fingers crossed. And if you want to be part of that or part of everything we got going on over this time of the year and throughout the whole year, please do subscribe wherever you get your pods, likes, rates, comments, all that good stuff helps us help other people find the show. You can head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. All past episodes 
are available there. A lot of those are evergreen, especially the summer ones. So if you click summer season in the tags, a lot of stuff in there is evergreen. Some of the stuff that we do previews, recaps, obviously that's a little more time sensitive, but we do a lot of evergreen stuff over the course of the summer. So you can check all that out. And of course, a link to the merch under the merch tab, hoodies, toques, cups, mugs, all that good stuff is there and available for you. And of course, follow along on the socials at Game of Stones Pod everywhere other than Facebook where it's Game of Stones Podcast. If you got anything to reach out about that you don't want to use the socials for, we're available Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. Scott, Sean. this is a great time of year. I have a couple scenarios from rec level curling that I want to go over. I won't do that now. We'll save that for another episode because I don't okay. think I've told you about them. But there are other there are ones not quite like am I an asshole style, but kind of. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I love about this time of year, and I think it's sort of evidence that more people watch these events than they do the slams, is that once people start watching Scotty's and Briar, the shot calling strategies at the rec level change dramatically. A Definitely. lot more runbacks, a lot more doubles. <laughs> like people really do change, and it's so much fun to see. And I'm very excited for the last draw of the season. I have ten games left, barring injuries or weather or stuff like that. And this mm-hmm. is when things kind of go off the rails. Yeah, it gets nuts here. Uh, I kind of like it because people are usually not as good at at it. <laughs> uh, you know, like so it gives us some some room to maneuver. Yeah. Uh, that said, Sean, we are moving up to A for our final yeah. block. Uh, so went four and one, uh, and those teams can make the runbacks. So sure, you know now they're watching curling and playing the shots that the pros are calling and actually making them, which yeah. makes things a little bit tougher uh, for us. But it'll be a fun ride nonetheless. Yes, I do look forward to us uh, losing a game one to nothing in eight ends in an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> as we try to keep it wide open yeah. at this level. So, uh, yeah, that will be a lot of fun. Hopefully, you're all having a good time for those of you who are playing as uh, at least in most parts of Canada, seasons are starting to wind down as we get into last draws and playoffs, club championships, things like that. A couple of spiels going on. Uh, some of the, the great spiels across the country do take place in february march and april so if you're playing in those hopefully you're having a good time and if you're a fan not a player love having you along for the ride this is the best time of year i think where you got uh, scotty's four days off briar four days off women's worlds four days off men's worlds and you go right into the players as well this is a great stretch my favorite time of the year for curling on the tv and of course in your earballs. so come back and join us next week And until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert. Make the final.